Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Sunday, December 17th. Happy Wright Brothers Day, which commemorates the first successful flight of a mechanically propelled heavier-than-air vehicle by Orville and Wilbur Wright on this date in 1903, about five miles south of Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Today is also Pan American Aviation Day, which also commemorates the first successful flight of a mechanically propelled heavier-than-air vehicle by Orville and Wilbur Wright on this date in 1903, about five miles south of Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. But Bible y'all Paul, you ask, why do we have two holidays on the same date for the same thing? We don't do Christmas and other Christmas. To which I answer, don't know. Maybe because there's two Wright brothers, we celebrate them twice. Except there's more than two. There's seven siblings in all. So I'm out. To be fair, Pan American Aviation Day also honors Brazilian aviator Alberto Santos Dumont, who was trying to invent airplanes about the same time as the Wrights were. Ever heard of him? Yeah, me either. So I guess we're going with one day for Orville and one for Wilbur. Fun fact about Dumont, he firmly believed that aviation would usher in an era of worldwide peace and prosperity. He believed that so much, he refused to patent his designs and published them for free. He was wrong though. Airplanes did not bring world peace. They brought the opposite of world peace, actually. In fact, they made for such a great leap forward in warfare that air superiority is how you win wars anymore. And Dumont was so upset over governments using his stuff to kill people that he hung himself at age 59, which he should not have done any more than he should have ignored 10,000 years of world history and let himself believe that peace was possible. So anyway, how y'all doing? You all right? Our reading for today is Nahum 1, 1 through 319, Revelation 8, 1 through 13, Psalm 136, 1 through 26, and Proverbs 30, 7 through 9. So if y'all are ready, you know, my grandfather shot down five Japanese airplanes. Now none of us are allowed back in the museum. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, yesterday on the 16th in the Old Testament, we read Micah 5, 1 through 7, 20. We finished Micah. And verse 1 goes with the previous chapter. Chapter 5 really starts with verse 2, and it's real interesting. It says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. So, whoa, did Micah just say that the little town of Bethlehem would be the one to produce the one that is to be ruler in Israel, and it would be somebody infinitely old from everlasting? Well, he sure did. The only one whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting, is God. Everybody else was created by God, therefore not infinite. So somehow God himself will be born in Bethlehem and will then be the ruler of Israel. Sound like anybody you know? <laughs> says, therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. And some say this refers to the end of the captivity, but it sounds like end times to me. And the rest of this chapter, some of the commentaries like to say, is all about the captivity and the trouble they went through. But verse 2 is a prophecy of the Messiah. And if you read this chapter through that lens, I think it makes more sense. Like in verse 6, that says, And they shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword, and the land of Nimrod in the entrances thereof. 
Thus shall he deliver us from the Assyrian. And Nimrod was a type of Satan, and may have literally been a Nephilim something. So to me, that's symbolic of end times. Or verse 7, The remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord. And verse 8 says they're among the Gentiles. So maybe the captivity, but I say diaspora. And the rest of the chapter is about throwing out all false religion, which Messiah will do one day, but not yet. And in chapter 6, Micah calls Israel to judgment. Verse 2 says, For the Lord hath a controversy with his people, and he will plead with Israel. And God says, O my people, wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. How exactly did I mistreat you? Let's hear it. Didn't I spring y'all from Egypt when you were slaves? Didn't I prevent Balaam from cursing you? And then in verse 8, we have the entire Bible summed up in one sentence. He hath shewed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? You should tattoo that on the back of your eyelids. And he goes on to talk about how the Lord keeps calling out to you, and if you're smart, you'll listen. But y'all seem to think there's treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked. I mean, am I supposed to weigh all that wickedness in the balance and consider it to be pure? Well, I ain't, because y'all's rich men are crooked and full of violence, and liars. So since y'all really think you're rich, I'm going to fix it so nothing y'all do pays off. You'll eat and not be filled. You'll sow, but shall not reap. Thou shalt tread the olives, but thou shalt not anoint thee with oil. And then in chapter 7, Micah's like, woe is me. And in the Hebrew, that's we in trouble, because everybody's a bad sinner. The good man is perished out of the earth, and there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net. The best of them is a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. Can't trust nobody. Everybody's rebellious. So Micah says, forget them. I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. And then he will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. So that's optimism. That's faith. And he goes on to talk about how things are bad now, but God will deliver them one day pretty soon. It says, according to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I shew unto him marvelous things. The nations shall see and be confounded at all their might. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. So good news there. And verse 20, he wraps it all up by saying, God will make good on what he's promised. Amen. Sin cannot be tolerated. But God is good and grants pardons, even now, before Christ. And then in the New Testament, we read Revelation 7, 1-17. And this chapter is about the sealing of the 144,000. And chapter 6 concludes with the statement, For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Well, this next chapter kind of responds to that question. And we just read about the seven seals on the title deed of humanity. And what we're going to see is the last seal breaks down into seven trumpets. But that's not till chapter 8. But this chapter sets it up. Verse 1, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor any tree. And he's not saying the earth literally has corners like it's a square. That's a reference to the four points on the compass. And verse 2 says, And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. And these four angels are apparently the four who are going to blow the first four trumpets in chapter 8. But he tells them, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, until we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. 
Okay, so who's that? Well, verse 4, And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty-four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. And this hundred and forty-four thousand is preserved through the tribulation. That's what sealed means. They're not kept out of it like in chapter 3. And he goes through and repeats 12,000 from this tribe and 12,000 from that tribe, and probably to illustrate that this is a literal 12,000 from each tribe. So 144,000 Jews are going to be called and protected through the tribulation so they can preach Jesus. Imagine that. Hmm? But there's two tribes missing, Dan and Ephraim. And I'm not sure why, but they've been left out of stuff before. That'll be something for y'all to run down in your own time. And verse 9, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And this sounds like the church up in heaven, but it's not. It's a different group of those saved after the rapture. Your first clue is John doesn't recognize them. And then verse 13, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And John's not fallen for that. He says, I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. Because if you're asked a question in heaven and you get it wrong, I don't know what will happen, but probably nothing good. (laughs) Well, the elder says to him, These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And that makes sense because the church was apparently taken up in chapter 4 and skips the tribulation. And he calls these guys tribulation saints. So the Jews get sealed. And the tribes are named not in birth order, and two are missing. Joseph is in the list with his oldest son, replacing Dan and Joseph's younger son. Frequently, we see that in the Old Testament. There's always 12, but the names are always changed up. And that has got to be trying to tell us something. (laughs) And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 135, 1 through 21. We're done with the Songs of Degrees. This one is a praise psalm. He says to praise the Lord and lists a bunch of reasons why. For the Lord is good. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself. For I know that the Lord is great. He causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of his treasury. He just kind of goes on like that. And he finishes up by saying, forget all them idols of silver and gold and just bless the Lord. Amen. We have another historical praise psalm. Know why you're praising God. Know who he is and what he's done. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6, which says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. And you'd think people wouldn't even want to add to his words, but it happens all the time. That's what denominationalism is all about adding your own ideas to the Bible, or subtracting them out of it. Like, some Baptist churches don't allow drinking or dancing, or women to wear makeup or pants. But none of that's in the Bible. Now, if the Lord has convicted you personally not to do any of that, and you want to hang out with others who feel the same way, by all means, go be Baptist. Just understand that's not biblical, in the sense that what God wants for you, he may not want for me too. And neither one of us have any right to hassle the other about it. But we're all hard-headed, and for 2,000 years, we got to fight wars over whether Jesus meant for that to be an and or an or. (laughs) You know, I just want to say that um, words matter, and God our Father has pure words, solid words that we can hide behind like a shield. If we trust him and don't water down his word, all's good. If not, then we are lying, and that hurts people. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. 
Our reading in the Old Testament for December 17th is Nahum 1-1-319. The Burden of Nineveh, the Book of the Vision of Nahum the Elkishite. God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry, and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth and Carmel, and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. But with an overrunning flood, he will make an utter end of the place thereof. And darkness shall pursue his enemies. What do ye imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up the second time. For while they be folded together as thorns, and while they are drunken as drunkards, they shall be devoured as stubble fully dry. There is one come out of thee that imagineth evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. Thus saith the Lord, Though they be quiet and likewise many, yet thus shall they be cut down when he shall pass through. Though I have afflicted thee, I will afflict thee no more. For now I will break his yoke from off thee, and will burst thy bonds in sunder. And the Lord hath given a commandment concerning thee, that no more of thy name be sown. Out of the house of thy gods will I cut off the graven image and the molten image. I will make thy grave, for thou art vile. Behold, upon the mountains the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace. O Judah, keep thy solemn feasts, perform thy vows, for the wicked shall no more pass through thee. He is utterly cut off. Chapter 2 He that dasheth in pieces is come up before thy face. Keep the munition. Watch the way, make thy loins strong, fortify thy power mightily. For the Lord hath turned away the excellency of Jacob, as the excellency of Israel. For the emptiers have emptied them out, and marred their vine branches. The shield of his mighty men is made red, the valiant men are in scarlet. The chariots shall be with flaming torches in the day of his preparation, and the fir trees shall be terribly shaken. The chariots shall rage in the streets, they shall jessle one against another in the broad ways. They shall seem like torches. They shall run like the lightnings. He shall recount his worthies. They shall stumble in their walk. They shall make haste to the wall thereof, and the defense shall be prepared. The gates of the river shall be opened, and the palace shall be dissolved. And Huzab shall be led away captive. She shall be brought up, and her maids shall lead her as with the voice of doves, tabering upon their breasts. But Nineveh is of old, like a pool of water. Yet they shall flee away. Stand, stand shall they cry, but none shall look back. Take ye the spoil of silver, take the spoil of gold. For there is none end of the store and glory out of all the pleasant furniture. She is empty and void and waste, and the heart melteth, and the knees smite together. And much pain is in all loins, and the faces of them all gather blackness. Where is the dwelling of the lions, and the feeding place of the young lions? Where the lion, even the old lion, walked. And the lions whelp, and none made them afraid. The lion did tear in pieces enough for his whelps, and strangled for his lionesses, and filled his holes with prey, and his dens with raven. Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will burn her chariots in the smoke, and the sword shall devour thy young lions, and I will cut off thy prey from the earth, 
and the voice of thy messengers shall no more be heard. Chapter 3. Woe to the bloody city! It is all full of lies and robbery. The prey departeth not. The noise of a whip, and the noise of the rattling of the wheels, and of the prancing horses, and of the jumping chariots. The horseman lifteth up both the bright sword, and the glittering spear. And there is a multitude of slain, and a great number of carcasses. And there is none end of their corpses. They stumble upon their corpses. Because of the multitude of the whoredoms of the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcrafts, that selleth nations through her whoredoms, and families through her witchcrafts. Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will discover thy skirts upon thy face, and I will shew the nations thy nakedness, and the kingdoms thy shame, and I will cast abominable filth upon thee, and make thee vile, and will set thee as a gazing stock. And it shall come to pass, that all they that look upon thee shall flee from thee, and say, Nineveh is laid waste, who will bemoan her? Whence shall I seek comforters for thee? Art thou better than populous know, that was situate among the rivers, that had the waters round about it, whose rampart was the sea, and her wall was from the sea? Ethiopia and Egypt were her strength, and it was infinite. Put and Lubim were thy helpers. Yet was she carried away. She went into captivity. Her young children also were dashed in pieces at the top of all the streets, and they cast lots for her honorable men, and all her great men were bound in chains. Thou also shalt be drunken, thou shalt be hid, thou also shalt seek strength because of the enemy. All thy strongholds shall be like fig trees with the first ripe figs. If they be shaken, they shall even fall into the mouth of the eater. Behold, thy people in the midst of thee are women. The gates of thy land shall be set wide open unto thine enemies. The fire shall devour thy bars. Draw thee waters for the siege. Fortify thy strongholds. Go into clay and tread the mortar. Make strong the brick kiln. There shall the fire devour thee. The sword shall cut thee off. It shall eat thee up like the canker worm. Make thyself many as the canker worm. Make thyself many as the locusts. Thou hast multiplied thy merchants above the stars of heaven. The canker worm spoileth and flieth away. Thy crowned are as the locusts, and thy captains as the great grasshoppers, which camp in the hedges in the cold day. But when the sun ariseth, they flee away, and their place is not known where they are. Thy shepherds slumber, O king of Assyria. Thy nobles shall dwell in the dust. Thy people is scattered upon the mountains, and no man gathereth them. There is no healing of thy bruise. Thy wound is grievous. All that hear the brood of thee shall clap the hands over thee. For upon whom hath not thy wickedness passed continually? And our reading in the New Testament for December 17th is Revelation 8, 1-13. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, and filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices, and thunderings, and lightnings, and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. And the second angel sounded, and as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood, and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed, 
And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers, and upon the fountains of waters, and the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters, because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to sound. Our reading in Psalms for December 17th is Psalm 136, 1-26. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endureth forever, and brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endureth forever. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever, and made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endureth forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which smote great kings, for his mercy endureth forever. And slew famous kings, for his mercy endureth forever. Sihon king of the Amorites, for his mercy endureth forever. And Og the king of Bashan, for his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for an heritage, for his mercy endureth forever. Even an heritage unto Israel his servant, for his mercy endureth forever. Who remembered us in our low estate, for his mercy endureth forever and hath redeemed us from our enemies, for his mercy endureth forever, who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. And our reading in Proverbs for December 17th is Proverbs 30, verse 7 through 9. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal, and take the name of my God in vain. And that'll do it for the 17th. All right, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on Revelation 3.14, which says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on have you really joined God's team? Because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, Jesus condemned the Laodiceans for their dishonesty of spirit, for they displayed a form of godliness but denied the power thereof. They paid lip service to you, Lord, but had their hearts planted firmly with the God of this world. They were proud and knew not they were wretched. Forgive us of our pride, Father. Chasten us if we need. 
anoint our eyes with salve that we may see. Whatever it takes for us to don the white raiment of your salvation, we humbly ask you to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just work on not making them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. Where is the dwelling of the loins and the feeding place of the young lions? That's wrong. It's not loins, it's lions. God, I wonder how many times I've made that mistake. (laughs) Ha ha ha!